Hello, everybody. It's your boy, uh, Paul True One P Holston. Welcome to True to the Game Radio. Uh, today, uh, sort of switching it up uh, in this extra episode. Um, if you've been tuned into my social medias, uh, basically, I'm launching a series called Beyond the Controller, where I will be talking to um, plenty of uh, game industry folks inside and outside the industry. And today, I have the pleasure of having my very first guest. Uh, good brother over here has some some great, great conversations with his brother prior to uh, today's interview. Really excited about this uh, this this conversation we'll have today. Um, goes by the name of Jonathan Jennings. Uh, he has just a little brief intro about him. He's been programming games and been a digital been a digital content creator for about eight years professionally. Uh, earned a bachelor's degree in computer science and has worked on and been credited on over a dozen projects. And fun fact, he also loves to write and has pretty popular posts according to what he has uh, proclaimed on, uh, and see, I don't even know if I can pronounce this right. Was it Cura, Cora? Uh, it's Cora, yeah. Okay, okay, cool. <laughs> but yeah, uh, welcome, uh, Jonathan. Welcome to True to the Game Radio. Pleasure to have you, uh, you know, and you know, like I said, we, and little known fact about for folks that don't know, so me and Jonathan actually uh, got acquainted through uh, Black and Gaming. Uh, it's a nonprofit, but basically uh, they have a Facebook group. Uh, you know, I put, I, I shot my shot as I always do. <laughs> uh, put it out there, you know, trying to just get more voices and, and diverse stories out there. And uh, very fortunate for Jonathan to uh, to reach back out uh, regards. So Jonathan, just just tell a little bit about yourself. You know, um, you know, you currently reside on the West Coast, uh, you know, and also very fun fact that, you know, we'll be getting to it later about the the aspect of VR. But please tell us about yourself. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So uh, my name is Jonathan Jennings. Uh, I'm a software engineer. Um, I've been programming games for over eight years professionally and then over 10 if you count college and all that stuff. Um, um, yeah, I've, um, grew up like, you know, like all of us, I grew up loving video games and super excited to, um, just like explore different worlds and whatnot and like meet new characters. And then, um, uh, somehow it led to me <laughs> actually getting a career in the industry. Um, oh yeah. And so, so tell us, uh, tell us, I guess your journey, uh, mm -hmm. starting from that what you mentioned, your your inspiration, of course, being a gamer. Right, uh, right. You know, what what sort of sparked you at starting as a gamer to then now saying, you know what, I want to be a part of this industry. Right. Uh, yeah. So like growing up, my older brother, he's like always been my inspiration for everything. So he, I saw him play football. I wanted to play football in high school. Um, I saw him run around the neighborhood with his friends. So of course I wanted to tag along. I was way too young though. Uh, so um, I saw him play video games and naturally I picked him up too. Um, and then as I got older, I started to play more and more games and like my love for gaming definitely outgrew his at one point. Um, and so when I got to high school, my mom, um, like most black parents, my mama told me, you're either gonna go to school, or you're gonna go to work. And I was like, well, I guess I better figure it out. That's a real, that's a real ultimatum right there. Yeah. <laughs> you're right, you're right. Yeah. And so um, uh, I guess I was like, I wasn't in any, or like she had put like a lot of pressure on me, but it was just understood. Like, right, I was gonna have to join the real world um, once I graduated. Mm -hmm. And so I just had an eye out and, um, uh, a commercial came up advertising DeVry University and a game development program. And I was like, 
oh man, you can make games? Like that's a thing people actually do. And so I saw a program and I was like, mama, I think I wanna like go to school and at least check out what it's about, see if it's like worth our time. And so she humored me. Um, we went to the school, the admissions group or whatever. They liked my grades. They said they'd give me like one free class to basically kind of, kind of encourage me to go, but also to like, um, I just kind of like experience what it's like to be on the campus. So I did the one like free intro to C++ class and had no clue what I was doing. Um, and uh, then um, I was like, I, but I knew, I didn't know what I was doing, but I knew it involved making games in some way. And I was like, I think this is what I want to do, mama. And she, she encouraged me to do it. And um, uh, after three and a half years, I graduated. Uh, took me about six months to actually get a job in the industry, which is pretty standard. Like uh, that's very a hey, that's very um, commendable, especially you know that 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 timing to where it's at now. Like it, it and of right. course, like the, the industry exactly. has really grown. But right. six months. So what what what, what where did you land at your first, and how has it you know started from there to evolve to where you are sort of today? Right. Um, so six months. So six months were rough, uh, definitely. Because and and it's hard because the video game industry is super competitive. Um, it's less than two percent black. Um, it's um, just it's hard for anybody to make it in. But that much more as a black man. That much more as a black man going for a technical role because they didn't. Especially at that time, there weren't a whole lot of black software engineers. So I'd walk in the studios and get these really shocked. Um, uh, perceptions, right? I, I told my girlfriend at the time, I felt like a black unicorn because I'd walk in the building and I felt like people would either be like excited to see me like, oh my God, I've never seen one of you before. Or yeah. it's like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> you think you're going to program my games? Okay. Um, so uh, yeah. Um, anyway, I did all that. Um, I got, I think I had 10. So I sent out between my junior year and my first job, I sent out 300 resumes to studios up and down California. Just wait, 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 hold on, hold on. Wait, can we, can we get a repeat on that? You said what, what, like the 300 like Sparta or, you know, 300 like Sparta. Yeah. I, yeah. I just, every studio I could, any studio that had, any kind of presence in California, I wanted to send my, my resume. Um, I sent it to everybody I possibly could. And how many of those, how many of those, I'm curious, how many of those out of those 300 may have, may have even attempted to either reach back? You got the eight, the initial interview or the hiring manager interview? So I got, I'm just, I saw 300. I'm going to say 40 responded. And if I say 40 responded, like I'm going to say 10. Yeah, 10 or 15 of those were like the, oh, thank you for reaching out, Jonathan. And then a lot of them were like, this this mailbox is full, like the bounce back email, right? Like, mm -hmm. no one's here. Mm -hmm. And then um, of those, the 20, it was like, oh, okay, I guess we'll do like a really tentative interview or whatever. And then boil that down to actual 11 or 10 interviews I had. And then the 11th is where I actually got my job. Um, I started working at a company called Sabretooth Interactive out in Venice, California. Uh, I come from Fontana, California, which is out in the desert. So uh, Venice, this studio is right on the beach. So my mind was blown. Like it was- Must be nice. Must right. be nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it was wild. And um, they had dogs walking around. I was just, my mind was blown. I was like, this is where they made games? Like this is, I've never seen anything like this before. And, yeah. Uh, and California is um, sort of like the metropolis of like, you know, it's like the Silicon Valley of gaming industry, in a sense, like there's other like cities, you know, major flagship cities. But I mean, a lot of people, you know, if you're gonna, 
hate to say it, but uh, you know, it's just like Hollywood. You want to make it or you want right. to get your foot in the door. You know, you got to travel over, right. over on the West Coast. So, okay. So tell me uh, from the uh, starting from Sabretooth, I believe that you said Sabretooth, correct? Uh-huh. And s- starting from there, um, sort of briefly talk about like the work from that that door opening to what you've done over the last eight years you know and i guess give us sort of like a chronological journey from eight years to now to what you are you know what you're currently working on is it self projects you still working with the company so just sort of walk us from then to now right right uh so yeah sabertooth they hired me my boss at the time he basically said we just kind of needed an extra pair of hands and um i think that's fair like i was a junior engineer i didn't know a ton about programming games or coding or anything so it was more like coming in to help the studio uh but they hired me as a junior ui engineer um so when i first got in the door they basically just let me like chop up images and stuff for the games like uh like in photoshop um and we were working on like mobile card games at the time so um i did a lot of work at that and then like i think it was like two or three weeks in before they finally let me touch the code base and so i did like really simple stuff like change text boxes and stuff or put art here or maybe like um, for one of our games they let me create like a really simple click mock through thing or mock-up thing um, to like show the client we were working for um, and so most of the games we worked at, on at Sabretooth were more uh, like advert games or educational games. Um, we worked on an Animal Planet game. Um, the next one we worked on was called Flavor Monsters, which is probably one of the bigger games I've worked on. Uh, it was okay. the Truth Campaign. And uh, it was like, a, it's an anti-smoking game, essentially. But it's like a, yeah, it's, it's yeah. Uh, and it's like, so it has like a lot of anti-smoking messaging. It's like kind of like a base defense game where like you look down at the map in like an isometric view and you shoot the enemies that are trying to get your base or whatever. Okay. And um, so, yeah, uh, they I think that's the first game. Like they actually like let me, like they gave me parts of the game to work on, which was exciting. Um, and uh, from there, um, I know eight years is a long, it's a, it's a big, big gap. So I know like you probably like worked on a lot. I'm sure trying to like bring it, bring it all together. So I apologize for being so heavy, heavy handed on the question, but no. yeah, continue. Yeah. Yeah. No worries. No worries. Um, so after, so then I got laid off from Sabretooth. Uh, I think I worked there for nine months and that was, that was a sprint. We, we, I worked there nine months and we shipped six games, um, maybe seven, but so yeah, which is, it, it crazy we absolutely crunched and it was pretty aggressive um but um but made it through and i learned a lot they call it what baptism by fire right uh, um so, <laughs> that, that so, seems like a recurring yeah, trend in the in the industry if you're trying to like you know get your feet really wet it's <laughs> you're right you're right yeah it's tough um but and i i hate parts of it i think also parts of that prepared me for like being handed stuff later but i I think there's better ways to do that that we need to explore but um that's neither here nor there 
so then I got the next company I got hired at was um, Ember Lab, and they're actually coming out with a game for the PS5 called Kina Something of Spirits. Oh, Kina um, the uh, I, think, I know what you're, exactly what you're talking about. It's like something bridge, but it's it's right. a very highly anticipated uh, mm -hmm. game. Awesome. Right. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so I met the, the uh, founders there, Mike and Josh Greer. Um, and we, they, at the time they had just started, like they had a good partnership with Coke. So Coke was trying to do small, uh, small mobile games. Uh, we worked on a, a Fana racing game, like the soda. And then they oh, really? turned it. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and then they turned it to like a KFC kernel racing game or whatever. I, it came out in the Philippines. I'm not sure if it ever hit the States or anything, but- uh, I definitely will of... look that up to see if, you know, where is it, where is its existence now? Right. <laughs> and why Fanta didn't even, uh, I don't even know if they promoted it the way they probably should have. Right. <laughs> um, and yeah, that was fun. So I got to work on um, uh, a kart racing game. I was like the lead UI engineer there. Uh, they had, the main gameplay race programmer. He was like, he, he came from EA and he worked, I think he lived in Costa Rica. And then, uh, so that was our dev team. Uh, we also had a, like a technical producer, but he didn't write as much code. So a lot of the stuff he did was like shaders and like optimizing the game and stuff. Um, and then after, so after Ember Lab, then I worked at a place called uh, Jackbox. I worked on a game called Avatar. That was my, I call it my Barbie game or whatever. Um, the That's the one I don't necessarily love to show off because right. you know. <laughs> but, uh, we all we all but, have that one, we all have that one thing on our resume that's like, you know, we're gonna put it there, but let's just right. put it on the bottom of the table. <laughs> Absolutely. Surprisingly enough, somebody reached me out, out to me to talk about it, which I'm like, that. I don't know, but uh, I'll talk to you about uh, I'll it. I'll think about it. <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> uh, and yeah, so we worked on that. Um, that was a small team. So most of the teams I've worked on have been small, like 12 people or less. Um, and so that team, it was like three of us. It was my boss, um, a really talented uh, artist, Rigger, I worked on, well, I worked with, and then um, me. And then uh, after that, I worked at a company called Fuel. Um, I worked on the puppet game, like not even a game, it's puppet mobile app um, called broadcast um i worked on like this location-based entertainment thing at a company called funwall um because we got acquired and then i moved into vr where i worked at a company called fisherman labs um and i worked on a ghostbusters vr project my friend didn't even tell me what it was he was like hey you want to work on this vr thing with me and i was like sure i like money um so, <laughs> don't, we, hey, don't we all right it's a bit love food food still gotta right. be on the table bill's gotta get paid right? first, first of 15. exactly <laughs> and uh yeah so i worked on ghostbusters vr um and that was cool. They, yeah, I had like a lot of creative control. Um, the project was pretty simple itself. So um, I worked on the gameplay. I worked on some of the localization stuff, some UI stuff. And then uh, the last two years I've been working at a company called Relay Cars. Um, we work on like automotive VR enterprise stuff. So we work, we basically make apps for companies like Kia and Toyota and GM, um, just to kind of like, they don't usually have in-house tech, tech, tech teams. The simulation so, aspect, especially now we're in the current like pandemic aspect right. too. I'm sure that's mm -hmm. probably been a lot, a lot of asking a little bit more than normal, right? Right, right, right exactly. Awesome. Um, so yeah, just, reality application. so and, and i'm glad you alluded to the virtual reality aspect because you know before before we even had this uh this conversation you know you are probably one of the very few 
uh, African-American folks in the industry that I'm aware of related to VR. So sort of talk about, you know, with your experience in VR, uh, what are some things that, you know, for folks, for game developers or folks just interested about learning the VR aspect? I mean, me personally, I've, I haven't played too many virtual reality games besides like going to Frankie's Fun Park arcade, Chuck E. Cheese, you know, <laughs> arcade. So right. sort, of, sort of talk about, you know, what are some things that people don't know related to, you know, maybe pre-production, production, production uh, post-production when it comes to a VR game and, and sort of what's the most challenging aspect of a VR compared to, you know, a AAA or indie game in that's, okay. you know, non-VR related. Absolutely. Um, and I guess so the only I will add on, like, I will say, because we are so new, and I think more black people are into tech than ever before. I think I have actually seen a lot more black people into VR who made small VR projects awesome. than games for sure, which awesome. that's been exciting, right? Like going to VR events and it's like, oh, black people, like more than a couple of black people. I right, not it. just a handful, right? Like <laughs> strong <laughs> right. You know, cherry pickings, right? <laughs> right, exactly. Um, so that's been that's been a lot of fun to see. Um, and uh, and yeah vr just gives us a lot of opportunities to like speak like never before and so uh, you kind of mentioned like uh you talked about like the pre the challenges of making vr i think the most difficult aspect of making vr currently is just vr is built on game technology and we're trying to do a lot of things that our classic games do but you kind of have to speak in another language when you do them in vr because it's not shooting I guess the sensations, the feelings you want people to have in VR are like what they feel playing a normal video game times 10, right? Like that's right. kind of how, um, like whether it's, I don't know if you, how much you got into rhythm games like Dance Dance Revolution or whatever. I, I mean, I, I've watched plenty of streamers. Uh, I have no, I have barely any rhythm myself. Let's, I, I mean, I may do a two step in the club, but no, no just dance. But yeah, yeah, I'm very, very familiar with the aspect, yeah. Uh, yeah, and so like seeing people play Beat Saber where they just throw their whole body into it, right? Like 11. And uh, yet another game I, that I probably would have a, <laughs> a heart attack or a good, com uh, you know, comedic night with other people. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's a good time though. If you look silly in VR, usually people understand because they look yeah. silly too if you're passing the headset right. around. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's a lot of that understanding like what people enjoy about games and how you take those same feelings and how you get that same um, experience, but you really enhance it with VR features, right? Like it's not, I don't want to, like, I get really iffy when you use pointers in VR, like when you point at buttons and stuff, you pull the trigger or whatever, because like, I feel like VR, you can, like your space becomes the game. And right. so like, you can push a button and actually like, you can actually do the motion of pushing a button. Because um, isn't it like a, a VR, like half, I think it's Half-Life or something like that. I think yeah, something like Alex. that just came out. Uh -huh. I saw some, I saw some uh -huh. people like stream mm -hmm. that aspect to where like the hands, like you're drawing on the window, like you're right. doing all type of like, right. very virtual reality like stuff, which I was like blown away. I'm like, right. compared to what we were doing like 20 years <laughs> ago, like you right. would have thought you were in another world as soon as you put the headset on. You know? Exactly, right. And I definitely, I feel like Super Hot was probably one of my, um, it's probably my favorite VR game so far. But uh, like, you know, I played first person shooters my whole life, right? But to be like playing Super Hot and 
this enemy is holding a gun to your face, right? Which is like, it's there's I mean, a lot mentally of, it could trigger, yeah. You're I mean, right, yeah. right. It was intense, right? And um, but also the whole like matrix, like Neo effect of grabbing a gun out of the enemy's hands, going, ha ha, I got you, shooting him, and then taking out all his all his crew. I think that type of feeling like when you're creating an experience and trying to understand how to create experience like that for people is such a it, it takes a lot of work to figure that out but um i think like figuring out we're developing the language to make like really um stimulating and immersive vr experiences and so i think that's the hardest thing because people a lot of times they go oh we just have this game just throw it in vr right and it's like it's not that simple and see, yeah, and that, that's why I was gonna ask, how do you feel about like some of these AAA titles? Like I think like a notable one is like Iron Man VR that came out uh, for the PlayStation 4. And then you have, you know, some other folks that are dipping in. What, how do you, how do you feel personally about the AAA? I mean, there's a, there has been a course like plenty AAA games that have gone into VR aspect, but how do you feel when it comes to, I guess the indie aspect versus right. like a Marvel or a big, you know, maybe like a Bethesda game, like one of those AAA companies that, you know, want to dive into that. Cause you know, for me, you know, it's, I still haven't been persuaded enough to right. pursue, uh, you know, really like, right. of course you have to buy, you have to buy the, the equipment, right. you know, and then you gotta really have the, you know, enough space to where you're not like knocking over your, your furniture, but right. sort of give, so it's a two part question. Tell me about like, how do you feel about AAA titles with VR versus indie? And then also, how would you persuade a gamer that has never played VR to, right. you know, test, try, try it out as we go into next gen? For sure, for sure. I think so. Um, as far as like AAA, I think I think AAA game VR games done right can be amazing, right? I think one of my favorite experiences is Vader Immortal, and I think we talked a little bit about, you know, I think we're both Star Wars fans, and so in Vader Immortal, there's like a point where the Empire they pull your ship in with their tractor beams or whatever, and Darth Vader comes out like the stormtroopers line up, and then he walks down the hall, mm -hmm. and like. Being face to face with Darth Vader, who he's a big dude. Like yeah. I didn't realize he, he, ain't, he ain't no he ain't no pushover. <laughs> My man is tall, bro. He's right. Like, right. <laughs> and it's something like it's something really intimidating and imposing and also exciting, like, oh damn, I'm looking in Darth Vader's eyes, right? Like that's that's a lot. Um, and so I think AAA, when they do those experiences right, I think it I think in a lot of ways that kind of captures the love of gaming a lot of us had growing up, right? Like I think our imagination, even when I go back and play older games, I forget how much my imagination kind of filled in the holes, right? And so I think VR, it kind of removes that and you can just enjoy the experience. Um, and I think AAA games are pretty good at that, um, but they can do bad just like anybody else. And if I've seen plenty of AAA companies try to like just throw something in vr and they don't actually spend the time of learning how the investment to investment of the yeah the investment between vr and and other genres exactly right you can't gotcha. just throw money and then hey it's going to be good it doesn't right like right okay um, and so like uh the second part is like uh so someone like such as me or other gamers you know we're in the next gen i mean this would be real here we got good old ps5 you got mm -hmm. xbox series x cloud gaming which i really honestly right. think that's that's one of the future the you know futures of gaming really play anytime anywhere pick up where you left off from your phone to your tv so when it comes to vr 
right. you know, and how it's trying to still stay relevant. I won't say still stay relevant. It's always going to be relevant. There's, there's going to be a fan base, but for someone that that hasn't played VR, right. what would you, you know, if you had to give us a give me a pitch on, right. you know, why I should invest in VR from your not just as a gamer, but for you having the hands-on of production, what what would you tell that gamer? Right, I think. So to me, it really does come down to being in our video games, right? And and I think it's and there are some ways that's super literal, but there's some ways it's also like figurative, right? I I think there's something. The beauty of VR is kind of the headset is as limited as the person playing, right? And so one of my favorite games is called Horn, and I watched uh, basically it's like an arena fighter. And so all these guys come in with weapons and you have weapons and you like just take on these waves of dudes. And it's really cartoony, but it's also gory and it's a crazy game. Um, but I watched a dude on YouTube who was like an MMA fighter. And he's like, I'm gonna do a run just using like, like no weapons. I'm just gonna use my hands because this is what I do in real life. Right. And he goes <laughs> and he whips with the AI's ass, right? And <laughs> The, the, the people who made Gorn didn't account for that, right? They weren't thinking that a guy with hands was actually going to play the game, right. but he went. And I think there's something really beautiful and exciting. Like this guy played the game the way he knew how with his capabilities and this way came way with, and it was super fun to watch. And so, um, so I think uh, it, it's hard to pitch VR. I think it's the idea of being in a game and really just kind of buying into the world. And also like, you're, I think VR allows a lot more creativity in how you play, how you um, kind of work with your environment that sometimes like sitting on the couch doesn't quite connect the same way. Um, mm -hmm. But I think I, I think VR and like traditional 2D gaming, I think they work best hand in hand. Like I think I, we need both. Yeah. And I think, you know, given the even current pandemic that we're in, um, you know, I feel like if uh vr folks who are in the vr industry sort of tie into like and it's not gonna be every game right like you're gonna have you like your your, your genres in vr but like open world games so where you can really interact with your family or your right. friends like sort of mm -hmm. like the sims like right. a virtual sims like yeah you be in the look you be in the club you know what i'm saying <laughs> or you, you go to the park you play basketball right. you play virtual basketball right. like baseball like that would me personally, that would yeah. be that would be pretty interesting. That'd be mind blowing to me. Like if Absolutely. I'm now, I don't know how it would feel, you know, if you get elbowed <laughs> in the face, or you know, you know that that, that mind trigger if something right. really happened. But I think like an open world, like I, it'd be crazy. Like I say the Sims, but even like a, a 2K uh, VR mm -hmm. where you're playing mm -hmm. basketball with your with yeah. the boys you know, mm -hmm. you know in the park, or even right. like De even like a Destiny two where like your open mm -hmm. world like. Mm -hmm. My mind would be like the way that the game, like games like that are now, right. where you're first person, right. imagine to where now you have to go from trying to control right what a mouse control to like you know right. but then hopefully you don't break your vase so you you know you the gaming laptop where you're like you know, right your tv screen so right. but, but that's, but no, I, I, and, and i'm glad you bring it up because i feel like again vr while probably slept on probably would have has some type of advantage if they really tried to pinpoint that futurism aspect like right. I said, like cloud gaming right but yeah, no, that's that's awesome, man. And, and again, mm -hmm. thank you for that perspective. So I want to shift it into a little more, little more, okay. uh, you know, chill, relax. 
Okay. Uh, sort of more personal. Um, you know, like you said, you've been in the industry uh, about eight years now. Mm-hmm. Wanted to ask, you know, one, what is your, what is, do you have an ultimate goal while being in the mm-hmm. space? Uh, not right. just as a, a, a game dev, but you know, your your ult, you have an ultimate vision, what you, where you want to be, what you want to do, what you want to create, and if you could tell yourself eight years ago what you know now about the industry, what would you tell your younger self? So I'll start off very light. You know, it's very heavy questions. Right. what what is your goal what is jonathan jennings what does he want to do as he continues to navigate eight years in it's wild right because i i thought when i first came in the industry like it would like that idea would formulate a lot more but the further i get in the more i'm like i really don't know um possibilities are endless right right and i think i think like the you know i'm a programmer so this response is like oh i want to be a cto and i really want to own a tech component but i really like making stuff so my favorite thing about creating is when you create something and people play it and they smile unintentionally like anybody can smile be like i'm having a good time but when somebody does something and a smile cracks that to me is the best feeling in the world to know like that is just a raw emotion like a fulfillment right i created joy in somebody and that's super satisfying and so uh i'm doing a i'm supposed to be speaking to a class next week actually and i thought about like putting together a small demo reel of games i worked on um and so i started looking up video of games i worked on and I found a few reviews, right? And so I found this video of this kid. He's probably four or five from 2012. So he's probably grown or a lot older now. But right. uh, uh, he is playing Animal Planet and he's a hyena and he's running around a field and he's having a blast. And he's just talking to the camera and he, and it was so satisfying. Like it's been years since I worked on the game, but it's so satisfying in my heart to hear somebody love the game the way I love games growing up. Right. And so I, I think if I have a goal, it's not like it's not a position like because I actually just got on. A, I'm on a, pro, a project for Oculus Launchpad, which is basically like a, a, a incubator for fake VR games. Yeah. Um, and they um, anointed me the CTO or whatever. And I was like, cool, that happened. And it's just more programming, which I do every day anyway. So mm-hmm. the, the title doesn't mean a whole lot. It's more. Um, it's more, I just want to create stuff that people love, right? And I think that that is really what satisfies me um, and will awesome. satisfy me. Yeah. Awesome. If you could tell yourself, you know, how, you know, you're probably what, I think we talked like before, you're like almost the same age as me. You know, mm-hmm. what, what would you tell yourself eight years ago, what you know now in the industry, you know, if you had to, you know, every, without all the long eight years, and I'm sure you've right. had like your ups and downs, but if there's something, really really that stands out that you would tell your younger self that you wish you had known what, what what would you tell yourself back then i think the most the most so I, i'm a lot more confident now but at that time right like i i wanted to work on games and no one in my family had done anything real tech like my cousin worked he tried to go to he had did a programming curriculum to work um on like bank software and after six months he was like i'm out like there you don't talk to people this is boring and so i know when i was going to school to learn how to program games my family's like you're not gonna like it he didn't like it right and like my family isn't super tech enthusiasty or anything um and so like i was doing something my family didn't understand and then i go to school and like there's only a handful of other black um black people in my program so 
generally the people in my program don't understand. And I get in the industry and I have the interviews and the people I meet in the offices or interviews, like they haven't seen a black man going for a check role like I was. So they don't understand me. And so of course, all these people asking questions, like I started to ask like, am I, am I crazy? Like, is it crazy to want to make games for a living, right? And so I guess if I had to give myself advice, I would go back and say, just because other people haven't seen you do something like that before, doesn't mean it's not for you or you can't do it because mm -hmm. here I am, right? And I've worked on stuff and um, I'm super proud of the progress I've done and all the people who told me, I don't know, this is kind of a crazy idea. They, they love me or they'll message me on Facebook with a game idea or uh, they'll tell me how proud of me they are or what have you, right? So um, yeah, just like, just because people don't understand your vision or don't understand your goals doesn't mean that it's not something you shouldn't pursue. Awesome, awesome. And, uh, so that, that, and that's really, you know, and I'm glad that you were, that, that you're able to openly, you know, express that. You know, I think a lot of people, a lot of folks, even people such as myself, like, I, you know, I'm a grassroots person, still working my way up, don't have, but I don't have the ounce of experience that you have uh, in, related to this space. So it's really affirming to know, you know, especially for us, you know, 2%, 2%, right. Right. you know, that's like the magic number, unfortunately. And, right. you know, you, 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 you've been doing good work and so leaving off with this last question, uh, like I said, it gave you some time to think on it. Uh, you know, what are your top five video games of all time? And if, if you don't have, you know, if you can't decide, you know, name some of your favorite retro uh, video games that you, you know, you always remember. For sure, for sure. Uh, so I think my top two are pretty solid. Those are my like submitted since I was a kid. They've been my favorites and I think they still are. Uh, Mario Brothers 3 um, and uh, Super Mario RPG Legend of the Seven Stars. Those are- I've never played that second one. Uh, yeah. Fun fact. Now that first one, that uh, that's definitely definitely one of my top Mario games. Like, mm -hmm. And then they got, they got it on Switch. So it's like Nintendo Switch Online, you play that thing anytime. <laughs> you know how hype I was in that thing? Oh yeah. <laughs> so those are top two, huh? What, what are, do you have any, th you know, any three? Uh, oh yeah, I got the two, like, but yeah, I just had to say, like, those are my, like, not touch. Okay, like, not I don't touch. think. Okay. Right, Untouchables, right. okay, gotcha. Right. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, so I think number three, I'd have to say Breath of the Wild. And I'm not even like a huge Zelda fan, but mm -hmm. I, I think I put 200, 200, 200 hours into that game. Which I, is... Admittedly, I have done the same. And right? I say this also to your point, is that mm -hmm. I haven't played, to be honest, I'm, I'm not like a diehard Zelda fan. Mm -hmm. Right. I like played the Zelda maybe for like the Nintendo or two, but right. that was like a while ago. But this was the, and it's funny as I played the Zelda game way later, like this year right. is when I got right. Breath of the Wild. Right. And then, right. you know, after I'm immersed, I'm like, holy moly, <laughs> like this is a great, and maybe it's just me, but I like, I like the open world concept. Yeah. The mm -hmm. challenge is good. You know, I play, I played through normal. I'm playing, you know, I, mm -hmm. in master mode, I'm on and off. I'm like sort of at the end, but playing like the other challenges for fun. Right. But yeah, like 200 hours easy, you we, yeah. sitting there. Like, and the fact that you can, I, I play it a second time and still right. feel, you right. know, energized to play mm -hmm. it. That, it's not, not a lot of right. games you can, you can do that. Right. It's, it's, it's so, it's so 
they do so many things really well in that game. And I definitely think, I think going forward, like I'm playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla now and you can see how Breath of the Wild influenced Influence. Valhalla. Gotcha. And I see, I can definitely see that being a game. Like we look back in a couple like years, like, okay, Breath of the Wild kind of set the foundation for it. And they come out with Hyrule Warriors the end of this oh, week. And I'm then we, ready. and then on top of that, <laughs> see, we, we get spoiled over here in Nintendo. Right. Then on top of that, the sequel sometime coming in 2021, but. Man, that, mm -hmm. look, they gonna keep that price tag of sixty dollars forever. Ever. That's awesome. That's awesome. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for cutting you off. It's just like you know, I'm glad that we can relate to some of these games. Yeah. You know, don't throw me off on some other stuff. Let's all right. <laughs> oh, all right. So final two is where now that's where that's where stuff like a couple a couple games came up. So I'm gonna say Halo Two. I'm gonna put Halo 2 as my okay. number four. Number five, so I like my weird games, so I have to, I have to throw one weird one in my top five, and Katamari Damashi is one of my favorite games ever. Okay. Super silly, colorful, you roll up, uh, have you ever played it? Or, I have not, I have not, admittedly I have uh, not. It's really, it's weird. Uh, you you have a ball. We all have a, we all have a one weird game. I don't even oh, know, like, have you ever heard of the game way back when PlayStation came from a UK studio? It's called Team Buddies for PlayStation no, 1. It's basically like a bat, it was a, it's a battle, it was a, it's not, I will say a battle royale, but basically it's, it's a weird, it's a comedic weird <laughs> game. Like I, I'd have to share it with you like offline, but yeah, okay. that, that's good. That's good. Is there any, uh, so what is that? What is that fifth game? Uh, what's what's like the genre? Uh, man, I don't even know how to. It's an arcadey game, I guess. So the way it works is, you have your the prince or whatever, and the prince has a ball. The prince has to roll up, basically stuff to make a big ball of stuff. So you roll you roll up paper clips, and then you roll up a ball of paper clips big enough that maybe you start rolling up like chess pieces, and then you roll up the chess pieces, and now your ball is big enough to roll up a sandwich, right? And you keep on doing that, and like my favorite level, you start real small, and by the end of it, you're rolling up continents, and like so, it's just it's it has like a time trial uh, element to it. Um, yeah, it's just a really arcadey, silly, colorful game, super what Japanese. Did it come out? Katamari Damashi's been out for a minute, so probably is out on the PS2, and um, they have one on Switch. I think it's Katamari Forever is on the Switch, but um, okay. yeah, um, yeah. Awesome. And well, that that's not a not a not a bad not a bad uh, top five. I know it's it's. I mean, honestly, like I said, it's impossible to like right have a definitive. <laughs> I mean, look, Miles Morales was playing two two days ago, and I got to like reshift the, the right. <laughs> for personal reasons. But of that's course. awesome, man. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Is there any retros that stand out uh, beyond the top five? All day, uh, right? So Sonic 2, which that hurt, like that that was on my list, but I was like, Halo 2 or Sonic 2? Ah, yeah. That's hard. Depends on uh, the impact, yeah. Yeah, it, right. it could be debatable. Right. Uh, so Sonic 2, Golden Axe, Streets of Rage, um, you know, we go Vector Man. You probably can go all uh, night, right? <laughs> right, right. Uh, fight, uh, fight night. Oh man, fight night. Uh, the Def Jam games, right? Yes. Like, hey, I would like look. Def Jam needs to stop playing, <laughs> bro. It took them followers on Twitter right. and skedaddle. <laughs> <laughs> they need to stop yeah. playing with this man. I'm, I'm ready. Yeah, the moment that gets announced, my pre-order money will be down. Yeah. Right, right, right. Um, and some like yeah, a big Tom Clancy fan, Splinter Cell, Metal Gear Solid. Like I could 
for days. But um, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> well, awesome, man. Look, Jonathan Jennings, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much, man, for being my debut special guest <laughs> on this series, Beyond the Controller. You know, the whole point of this is for people to uh, have a different perspective of folks within the industry than the norm. You know, you give a great perspective, not only on the VR, but someone that's been in this game for almost eight years, you know, that's, that's not, that's a, that's a long time, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, you're damn near almost a veteran, if not already. So, you know, hats off to you, but thank you so much for sharing your time, your experience and your perspective related to, you know, this industry. And it's with hope that, you know, uh, you know, I've learned a lot, you know, I'm, I may, I may dabble look into, you know, VR 2021. So, you know, I got you to thank when it comes to that, you know what I'm saying? So, but thank you so much again for your time. And if there's anything that you'd like to leave, uh, leave for the audience or for listeners, you know, feel free to, the floor is yours. Right. For sure. Well, you thank you for having me. First of all, I appreciate it. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, I love my black people. Um, and so I just, um, I know, I know. So I guess, you know what, if, so if we go back to your early question about like, if I have a goal, right, I think my goal is to educate black people on as many opportunities that are, that are out there for us in games and other digital kind of content, because I think we love, I think we love the tech on entertainment level. And I think we can make the content on a technical level. It's just, we don't usually have the pipelines or the knowledge or the experience in our communities. Right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so yeah, we can make dope stuff. Like I have, I have so many friends, Andrew Augustin, he's coming out with Super Ruby Island. Um, it's, I'm super excited for that. Uh, Super Ruby Island 2, I think it's going to be out on the Xbox One. Um, uh, my friend Bryson Whiteman, he's been uh, super influential. He made a game called Donut Git way back in the day. Um, um, yeah, anyway, my point is like, I know a lot of dope black creators. Um, oh, my friend Craig Tinsley is going to be mad if I don't mention him too. Uh, he makes a game called Rap Quest 2. He solo dubbed it um, and on iOS and Android. So uh, yeah, so like there's dope black creators out there doing stuff already. There's plenty at the big studios uh, at the recent Blacks and Gaming um, thing we had this weekend. I learned one of the lead designers of Ratchet and Clank is going to yeah. be um, a woman, a black woman of color. And I was like, yes. I was already hyped for the game. Give yes. It to me, right? I'm like, whoa. And that, and you will not, you will not, I mean, let's, let's be appreciative of, of, of organizations and spaces like that because right. this, I mean, like the industry is small, but there's people all over through these spaces that, you know, need to be, even such as yourself. You know, like people need to know who you guys are. So that way the next generation, even people like me can, you know, build, connect and be inspired by you guys. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Where can people find you on socials? You know, you have any promo, yeah. anything you like to, you like to shout out? Yeah. So, um, yeah. So if you want to check my socials, um, at Johnny J 17 is my Twitter. Um, I think I'm going to calm down a little bit more. now that 45 is out of office, I was going a little bit, I was, I was a little hype. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now you can go into uh, the recession uh, age of social. You can calm down a little bit as you go into the holidays. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, 
you I have the Instagram uh, at chocolate bear 1990 um, sometimes I post like screenshot Saturday videos of like I'm working on two indie game projects right now uh, one is called galactic bar fight I'm working on it for Oculus quest and then another one I'm the one I'm doing for the Oculus launchpad program is called um, supersonic rhyme chamber we're trying to make like a, a hip-hop based VR game uh, we're working through like the technical stuff for that which is like that whole the bringing the language into VR but um, we're getting closer to that I'm really excited so I'll probably post updates on uh, both of those channels um, and then like yeah I read on Quora um, I have some like over 2 million view reads or whatever so hmm. um, if you're ever curious about game design I do a lot of breakdown for games I talk about my favorite games in, like exhaustive nerdy detail um, so yeah if you um, just look up Jonathan Jennings on Quora and you should see Thank you so much again, Jonathan Jennings, for your time. Again, I go by the name of uh, True1P, Paul Holston. This is True to the Game Radio. Thank you, guys. Peace.